Hi, this is Julie thanking you for stopping by this science fiction podcast from Third Flatiron Publishing in Boulder, Colorado. It's time for an Old West shootout in the pouring rain. But this is a steampunk Old West where weapons have a mind of their own. Today we're presenting the short story No County for Young Men by Martin Clark. Martin is from Dumfries in southwest Scotland, but has lived in Glasgow, Birmingham, and London. After 20-some years in computing, he now works in local government. He's the author of an ongoing series of supernatural noir novellas, and his first novel, Whisper My Name, is available on Amazon. This gripping tale first appeared in the Third Flatiron anthology, Principia Ponderosa. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe on iTunes. And now, here's No County for Young Men, read by Keely Brute. No County for Young Men by Martin Clark It rained. It surely did. Not that I minded, as where I was raised, you chewed dust nine months of the year. I sat on the boardwalk outside Fane's Dry Goods, under the first floor overhang. The streets of Gibson's Reach were rivers of mud, pure and simple. People glanced at me, then looked away. I was used to that. I got this big strawberry birthmark, as covers half my face, and it unsettles some. Been that way my whole life. One of them new steam carriages slithered by, towed by a team of six mules. Made me smile. I used an upturned apple barrel as a table, cleaning the induction coil on my old Volta. Called her Rosie. Truth is, she named herself. I wasn't one to disagree. Some folks tell you guns ain't got real smarts. It's just tricksy responses. Well, my Rosie got a mean streak. Rattlesnake mean. The mean you only get from a lifetime of bitterness and regret. You ain't gonna tell me some fancy-pants coder back east put that in a gun. No siree. Barney Huckster leaned against the railing, watching. I didn't like Barney Huckster, but he was too dumb to notice. He had a heavy gut and weak eyes that watered behind thick spectacles. Barney Huckster was a jerk. The sound of spurs on the boards made us look round. It was a tall man in a duster and hat, water pooling around his boots as he stood looking at me. You'll be the one they call Red Mauler? Even though Rosie was in pieces, I made a show of standing, empty hands, before replying. Yes, sir, that would be me. He nodded. I'm Bert Miller. Josh is my youngest. I heard tell of some foolishness between you and him over one of Miss Markham's girls back in Mishap. Yes, sir. He beat up on her, so I beat up on him. Old Man Miller removed his hat and shook it. He had gray hair worn to the shoulder and eyes the color of cornflowers. I told them, told all four of them, that it ain't worth a hanging, not over a whore. So it's just Josh has come after you, boy, and you ain't run near far enough. He still can't ride, but he wouldn't wait once word came in you was holed up here. I thought it would be done by now, and I was aiming to smooth things over with the law, given you'd be dead and he might be in jail. Barney smiled real nervous. It's the weather, sir. Stage can't manage the incline this side of the ferry. Then you pass it. The tall man shook his head. 
Had me some business in Pendleton, so that took me round by way of the Long Bridge. He frowned at me. I'd tell you to clear out, boy, but I never seen Josh this riled before, and he got his ma's temper. I'm not here to stand between the two of you. I'm here to take him home afterwards. We clear on that? I nodded. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Fine, now. I'll be having a drink while we wait. Send your boy here to fetch me as soon as Josh shows up. I'll try and keep things civilized. Miller turned and walked down the street, heading for the Fairhand Saloon. Barney spat on the boardwalk, but quiet-like so as not to draw attention. I ain't your boy. No how. He hitched up his breeches. You really gonna fight Josh Miller over some whore? I sat down, not in my gut like bad fiddles. Come across Lucille getting wailed on, man using his fists. She liked me, leastways she looked me in the eye when we spoke. So I grab a length of timber and bust over his shoulders for I realized who it was. Stomped his leg so he couldn't ride, and I got the hell out of mishap that very night. I get that. The Millers own that town, sheriff and all. But why you stop running? Ain't more than two days' ride. Gets rowdy around here come the weekend, ranch hands blowing off steam, so you got a sheriff and a deputy. Them there Miller boys stick together like rats in a drain. For them again me, that's murder, pure and simple. I figured the law wouldn't stand for it. Send them on their way. Walter Gibson runs things here, and ain't no love lost between him and Bert Miller. I figured I was safe. Barney grunted. Well, you figured wrong. I nodded and lifted Rosie. I figured wrong. The Volthood cost me twenty dollars cash money back in Grumman. Seemed like a lifetime ago. So far, Rosie and me had killed three men, a Mexican, and a steer that crept up on me sudden. Not the Barney knew squat about me before I showed up in Gibson's reach. I slid the coal back together and locked the housing in place. I carried Rosie over the open window and connected her to the power feed Mr. Fane let me use for sweeping the store. Her regulator was a poor repair, meaning I only got five, maybe six shots from a charge. Now, each one would burn a hole in you the size of my fist, but an Edison or a Tesla were good for twenty spikes or more. Took a few moments for her to spin up. So, boy, where we at? She had a nasal Texas whine that riled most folks. Still in Gibson's reach, Rosie. Roads are so bad I couldn't even clear Ghent County if I wanted, let alone reach the state line. She it. So what, you fixin' to become a permanent resident of Boot Hill? Well... Is either face my trouble here or have it catch me on the hop down the trail some. I had a plan. Damn it, boy, what did I say about leaving the thinking to me? She sighed. Take it things didn't pan out? Nope. Figures. How many gunning for you this time? Just the one, I sniffed. Josh Miller. Long streak of nothing, bad temper. That's him. And they say a man can't choose his enemies. Now let me rest and figure things out. I'm going to need every ounce of juice. I let her be and sat down. Barney stood and worried on a hangnail like it was prime rib. Time passed. Always does. He scratched himself. Why you stick with a hunk of metal like that, Red? Takes both hands just to lift a damn thing. I looked up at him in his gap-tooth smile. 
I figure if you shoot someone, do them the courtesy of treating it serious. I wouldn't disrespect a man by ending his life with a goddamn derringer like some. Barney's face went sour. His maul beat him black and blue for wasting money on a gravel-voiced Edison, a weapon no self-respecting gunslinger would ignore. So now he carried a pissant ohm two-shot with a little girl lisp. Heard tell Barney gut-shot a man in a dispute over cards up in no-name city, and it took him three days to die. He sniffed. Dad is dead. Don't matter how. You think Josh Miller won't use that Gauss rifle of his if he gets the chance? He'll bushwhack you for sure. Not in this. I heard tell he can drive nails at a hundred yards, but out there? I gestured with my chin. He can't see more than twenty feet. Barney looked out at the curtain of fallen water. Even the buildings right across the street were hazy and indistinct. Can't rain forever, unless you're kin to Noah. We waited. The stage couldn't get any closer than the Kirkwall spread, a good four miles away. The passengers had taken shelter there, and Al Kirkwall had slithered his way in to let us know everyone was safe. The boy didn't have the sense he was born with. So Mr. Fane said, and it was hard to disagree. If a ropey kid like Al Kirkwall could make it up the long slope from the ferry, then maybe Josh could as well, bad leg or none. Just sitting? It sure got under my skin. Cleared my throat. I seen the innards of a pistol once, back a ways, when I worked in Bauxite, Harrison County. Hank Lehman dropped his Faraday in the street and it got crushed under a mining wagon. I seen little cards, no bigger than a fingernail. Cogs and wheels like from a pocket watch. Red oil soaking into the dirt. Looked like blood. Bunch of us took it to old Mr. Lando, ran the pawn shop, and fixed clocks. Shook his head and said he couldn't do nothing for her and got all teared up. Paid Hank ten dollars and didn't even use it for parts. Buried it out back, like it was a dog or something. When he carried it away, I swear, all the guns in the display case, they all sighed. No word of a lie. Made the hair on my neck stand up for sure. I trailed off, mouth dry. Not used to talking that much. Barney stared at me, brows down low. Say what? Felt my face color up. Just saying is all. Guns. Raised voices across the street made us both look. Josh Miller stood there, no hat. Hair plastered to his skull, using his long rifle as a crutch. He'd been rolling in the mud some. Josh was arguing with Violet Parma from the Circle K. She wore breeches and boots like her brothers and had more balls than both of them put together. Her and Josh were walking out back when I stayed in Mishap, though folks said it was more what the families wanted than them being sweethearts. Handsome girl in her way, but nobody I'd want to cross. Josh, though, he wouldn't know a good thing if it bit him in the ass. He got fresh before the nuptials, and then some. The Miller boys were used to getting what they wanted, but Violet, hell, she'd need Josh in the nethers and left him lying in his own sick. Neither family wanted a range war, and tried to act like the betrothal never happened. Well, it sure looked like they still had business to settle. I stood up, wiped my hands on my jeans. Best go fetch Mr. Miller, Barney. Quick now. He scurried away while I watched Violet and her old beau argue back and forth. Less than a minute, and I heard spurs on the boards. Bert Miller stepped up beside me, Barney at his shoulder. Violet jabbed Josh in the chest with her finger, making some point. 
He slapped her hard, sent her back a step. But she didn't cry out or even raise a hand to her cheek. Just spat blood on the boardwalk, turned, strode into Baskin's hardware. I heard the gauss rifle giggle, a high-pitched sneer with a crazy person edge to it. Some guns, hell, it's like they enjoy the hurt. Bert Miller sighed. Damn that boy, he'll be the death of me yet. The tall man looked me up and down and shook his head. Best ready that antique of yours, son. I'll let Josh know to wait until you're able to step out. He set off across the street, the long way, using the board some civic-minded soul had laid across the mud. Barney wiped his mouth. You want me to go fetch the sheriff? Try to, at least? I shook my head. No, one place is good another when you're in the ground. I lifted Rosie from the windowsill and held her close to my ear, listening to the soft schlick and whir that always sends a shiver down my spine. My hand didn't shake none as I freed her from the cable. Proud of that. I felt the dull point needles extend from the handle of my gun. Rosie used them to apply pressure to guide my hand. Now you listen, boy, and listen good. She sounded almost gentle. You ain't never drew down before deliberate like. It's always been in the moment. Well, don't matter shit who fires first. Only matters who's left standing. No shame in killing a man fair and square. Don't let anyone tell you different, you hear? I hear. Mm-hmm. Well, get ready. Rude to keep a man waiting for his own funeral. Across the way, I could see Josh and his pa talking. Josh handed over the rifle and took his father's long-barreled Tesla in exchange. The gauss was caked in mud, and I figured he didn't want it blowing up in his face. Despite the rain, Josh fished out a pair of black glass spectacles from inside his coat and hooked them in place. They had sides, like the blind wear to hide empty eyes. Once I heard a man in bauxite talking about thermals, said they let a gun see heat, improved its aim. Josh gestured with the Tesla toward the empty street. I checked the pocket watch in my waistcoat, but it had stopped. Barney passed me my hat. I left my coat over the back of the chair, walked along till I was standing in front of the celestial bathhouse. We stepped down from opposite boardwalks. The mud came halfway up my boots, holding me fast like I was glued in place. The few townsfolk about stopped to watch rather than take cover. Gibson's Reach wasn't the place where you saw much in the way of gunplay. It was Friday. I figured Mr. Chang would be getting ready for those ranch hands who wanted a bath. I figured that if Josh could see heat, then standing in front of the bathhouse boiler, just through the wall behind me, would even things out. We faced each other, guns hanging by our sides. The Volta felt like an anvil. The rain beat on my hat so hard it sounded like small stones. My shoulders were damp. All I could see was Josh Miller. He smiled. I didn't. I dragged that big old pistol up to shoulder height, ignored the pain in my wrist, clamped my other hand around the butt as well. Josh twisted sideways, making himself a smaller target, gun up and steady. Rosie pushed at my palm, urging my aim away from Josh. Comes down to trust. Let her twist, felt her stop, pulled the trigger. My gun was thunder, drowning out the snap-snap of the Tesla. The wooden upright beside Josh exploded, blown apart by the over-discharge. He cried out as flying splinters peppered the right side of his face. 
I saw the glass in his spectacles break. Takes Rosie a count of three between shots. Josh staggered, almost fell. He tore off his eyeglasses and flung them in the mud. Blood on his face. He twisted round, switched gun hand, fired. Felt the hit. Left side, above my hip. Like being kicked by a mule. Even though the copper filigree in my waistcoat took most of it. Fell back on my ass in the mud. Pulled the trigger. I hit Josh. Hit him in the left armpit, and he folded up like a bust parasol. I think he cried out, but all I could hear was the dull echo of Rosie's roar. Josh toppled into the mud and rolled over onto his back. The Tesla still pointed my way, but he didn't fire again. Couldn't keep Rosie up and let my hands drop into my lap. The only sound was the rain. Bert Miller jumped down into the street and knelt beside his son. He stroked Josh's cheek and gently pulled the gun from his hand and stood and looked over. There was murder writ on his face, plain as anything. I lifted Rosie, but her regulator was charred and smoking. She was done, and I was a dead man. Bert Miller aimed at me. I heard the kaleidoscope whine as he dialed up a full discharge. The containment chamber glowed. So did his eyes. Bert Miller's head exploded as his brain flash-boiled. He didn't jerk or cry out or anything like that, just collapsed over the body of his son and lay still. The pink mist drifted away. Violet Parma stood behind him, holding a Rutherford induction shotgun, price tag and all. She blinked, lowered her weapon slowly, seemed to notice me for the first time, and nodded. I sat in the mud, feeling the burn start to hurt, the air all sharp on my tongue. It rained. It surely did. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns. 